Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. I am so excited about today's episode because today we're talking about the Enneagram and how it can help us grow in our relationships. I shared about the Enneagram way back in episode number 17 of the podcast, and chances are that you've heard about the Enneagram before, but if you're not super familiar or if you need a refresher, it's a personality assessment that helps you understand your emotions and your motivations at a deeper level. The way I've come to understand it is designed to do two things. Number one, it helps us get to know our minds and our hearts better. It just helps us understand ourselves so much better. And number two, it helps us overcome some of the roadblocks in our lives and really become the best versions of ourselves. It also helps us understand and connect with the people we love, whether that's a friend or our family, our coworkers, or our spouse. And that's the focus of today's episode. Because if you're anything like me, you want to connect with the people around you on a deeper level, but you don't always know how to make that happen in a practical way. You also might find yourself disagreeing or butting heads about something or feeling disconnected in a certain way and not really knowing how to fix it. Friends, adding the Enneagram to my relationship toolbox has been a true game changer and I hope it will be for you too. So to talk us through this, I invited my sweet friend, Meredith Boggs onto the show. Meredith is an expert when it comes to the Enneagram and she has a new book coming out soon called The Journey Home, a biblical guide to using the Enneagram to deepen your faith and your relationships. In this episode, she's gonna teach us what the Enneagram is and what it's not. She'll walk us through an overview of the Enneagram types and teach us how to discover what type we are. We'll talk about how the Enneagram can help us communicate in our relationships, how the Enneagram can help us in our faith, how the Enneagram can help us understand and connect with our significant others better, and so much more. If you've been wanting to cultivate deeper, healthier, more meaningful relationships, the Enneagram is a great resource to try and I cannot wait to share more about it. But before we dive in, I have a resource I wanna make sure to share with you. It's called The Between Places, 100 Days to Trusting God When You Don't Know What's Next. Now, here's the thing. We all find ourselves in between places throughout our lives. Maybe you're waiting for something, longing for something, or working for something, but it just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you know where you wanna go, but you have no clue how to get there. Or maybe you know you're not where you wanna be in life, but you don't know exactly what needs to change or how to change it, and you don't know how to figure any of that out. Maybe you're trying to make a big decision, but you have no idea which option to choose. Or maybe you're feeling like the whole world has turned upside down in the last few years, taking your life and your plans and any sense of security right along with it. And in all of it, you're trying to trust God with the future, but you're just not sure how to practically do that and how to quiet the fear and anxiety all of this uncertainty has brought up in your heart. Friends, that's what The Between Places is here for. Through 100 guided prayer prompts, the Between Places will help you trust God with the trickiest, most uncertain, and most important parts of your life. It'll help you believe more fully than ever that God is good, that He loves you, and that He's taking care of you. It'll help you live today with more contentment, step into the future with more courage and faith, and rest in God's peace knowing that He's with you every step of the way. To pick up a copy, all you have to do is head to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com, and that link will also be in our show notes. Again, that's stephaniemaywilson.com. Okay, you guys ready? Let's jump into the conversation with Meredith. Friends, I'm 
so excited for who you get to meet today. I'm sitting here with my real life friend, Meredith Boggs. Meredith, it is about time that we had you on Girls' Night. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Meredith and I were just talking about we both live in Nashville. And like I said, we're real life friends. We have not seen each other in a million years. And we were trying to figure out why that is. And then we were like, oh, we all lost a couple years just yes. in in life. And then she's a new mom, as am I. And so also we're like, we live in the same city, but we haven't like been out in the city in a while. And so that's why we haven't seen each other in forever. So anyway, I'm so glad that we get to be here and catch up. And for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, can you tell us who you are, uh, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? Okay. Yes. I am Meredith Boggs. I am a born and raised Nashville girl. I am. I do a couple different things. I'm an author. Um, I have a book coming out in January, which has really been a lifelong dream. I, I just tell people, I'm like, I'm a writer at heart. You kind of wear a lot of hats and do a lot of different things when you're in that world. But like, I'm just really a writer through and through. I also am a, ner- a nurse. I have been in the medical field for 10 years now, which is wild. And got a background in ER, ICU, but I currently work um, in transport nursing as a critical care transport nurse. And I also, this is something I'm really passionate about that a lot of people don't know, but I helped start a program here in Nashville at Vanderbilt, a core group of like sexual assault forensic nurse examiners to provide services to victims in the city. And so I also take call doing that. And I'm a wife and a mom and being a mom is the best job ever. Um, And it's also full-time plus. Um, So yeah, so that's a little (laughs) bit about me and what I do. I've been married for nine years now to Justin. I met him at middle school church camp. So girls just know that like it happens. Um, All those camp crushes. Um, We didn't start dating until high school, but then we dated through high school and college and got married after. But a fun fact about myself, I had to think about this one. And a lot of people probably don't know this, but there was one point in my life that I was able to speak Mandarin conversationally. And it is long gone, but at one point I could. So fun fact. That is a great fun fact. Um, <laughs> that is am- that is amazing. It's so funny. The fun fact question is so tough. And I make sure like I send it in advance and then I always check with people before. I'm like, okay, did you have a chance to think of your fun fact? Because everything else is cake. After yes. you figure out what that like, that is the hardest question to answer, but yes. it's so fun. So, I know. It's I like, I can that. only ever, I'm like, this isn't fun. This is boring or whatever. So I was so thankful that you said that early. It gave me time to think on it. And now yes. I have this and you one was, in the bank for the next time someone asked me on the spot. Uh huh. Yep. You have to have them in your back pocket. Yes. Um, I, for, there was a minute there where I had like any fun facts that would come to mind, I'd write it down and put it in my phone. But like, <laughs> I don't know where that note is. So that doesn't help me at right. all. <laughs> Uh, Okay, so you have this new book coming out. Um, It's called The Journey Home, A Biblical Guide to Using the Enneagram to Deepen Your Faith and Relationships. And I want to hear just more about the book. Like where, tell us the backstory, tell us the book, you know, just tell us about where this came from. Yeah, so I'll tell you a little bit about kind of what inspired it and then what the book is about. So I learned about the Enneagram first when I was in high school. I was in counseling at the time and they used it just kind of as a framework to understand yourself better. And so I first learned about it then, loved it, found it really helpful in that season. I was in recovery for an eating disorder and it was just a really helpful framework for personal growth and just understanding relational dynamics at just a really crucial age in life. And fast forward 10 years, I was coming, I was in my mid-20s in a season of pretty intense burnout. Um, We had actually just moved back from living overseas um, in China, which another fun fact is where I first stumbled across Stephanie 
and I read the lipstick gospel on an overnight train. And I just like remember being in that bunk reading, like just like devouring it on my Kindle. I loved it. But that's that was, my yeah. favorite. The, uh, <laughs> as you and I met right when you got back. Yeah. And I remember you telling me that story. And I just, it just was like the coolest. That is the, that is the power of a book that like yes. I got to, I got to be with you on that overnight train. It's just so cool. And I so still cool. remember that. It's so cool. And it's still so impactful. So yeah, actually, it was right after that season of coming home, just really kind of like frayed spiritually, was not like, wasn't disconnected from my faith, but just feeling really stagnant and it really stuck. Um, Also just really intense burnout. And I um, was back in counseling in that season. The Enneagram kind of also reemerged during that time with like this, it just like overtook the world. And it was like, here's the Enneagram. It's been around, it had been around for a long time, but it just really had a resurgence then. And um, was using it again in the counseling setting and was looking for a way to really integrate it with my spiritual life. But everything that I found felt really cerebral and it just didn't feel accessible. And that was really, I would say, where the desire for this book, I didn't even realize it at the time, but that's really where it started from. I wanted this resource for myself and couldn't find it. And so anyways, that's kind of who the book is written for. It's really written for people who are kind of in two camps. One that are really spiritually on the fringes, kind of feeling stale, stagnant in their faith, not really sure what's next, really do want to reconnect with God, but maybe they've experienced church hurt, or maybe they're just like in a season of their life. It's like, I don't know that I believe everything that I grew up being taught. And they're kind of trying to figure it out for themselves. And they've really connected with the Enneagram and are trying to figure out how that can possibly help them reconnect with themselves, with God and with other people. And then the other camp that it's kind of written to is for Christians who love the Enneagram and they're kind of wondering like, should I use this tool? If so, how can I use it, um, approaching it with a biblical worldview? So a little bit more about the book, it outlines the nine different types and it really focuses on the sin tendency and the virtue of each type. So identifying strengths and weaknesses, identifying those sin tendencies, how you get stuck, how to break free from them, and then spiritual practices that are really just daily practical things that you can integrate into your life to grow spiritually. So yeah, that's a lot about the book. I love that. Tell us, so I, you know, like you said, the Enneagram, I first came across the Enneagram in middle school, actually. I was part of this like lunch group Uh with a school counselor with a bunch of my friends. I think, I don't know why it started. I think that she was maybe trying to just like mentor us or something? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how I ended up in this group with my friends, but it felt exclusive and fun. And, you know, we got to eat not in the cafeteria on Wednesdays. And, um, but she taught us about the Enneagram. And I remember that distinctly. And so when it came, kind of came back around and like, you know, caught fire mm-hmm. um, and, you know, everyone started, started talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, I remember this and, and started to kind of dig into it again. So for women who haven't heard of Enneagram or who maybe have heard it and are like, heard of it and are like, I don't, I don't know what that is. Can you give us a, a refresher? Yeah. So the Enneagram, it is a personality typing system similar to the Myers-Briggs, DISC, Finders, any of those. The biggest thing that distinguishes the Enneagram from all the others is that it really focuses on the motivation that lies underneath the behaviors. Um, and instead of, yeah, instead of focusing on behaviors, it's all about the motivation. And it's more, the other thing I love about it too, it's really more holistic in nature and that it factors in things like experiences, emotions, these core beliefs, these core fears that you have. The other thing that I think really distinguishes it it is that it's dynamic. And so as you dive into it more, you'll hear terms like your wing or where you go in stress and security. And you have the ability, we're dynamic as humans. We're not 
you know, we're not stuck in one state all the time. Our circumstances can influence how we show up, our relationships. And so that's the other piece that the Enneagram really factors into that is those seasons where you're under a lot of stress, seasons that are, you know, not quite as stressful where you're operating in a really healthy place. And so it takes into account all of that, which really sets apart from the others. Yeah, I love that. Oh, you know, I think a lot of people who, like if, if people don't love personality tests, you know, they're like, I don't fit in a box. And no, like we don't fit in a box, right. but I feel like the Enneagram is more like a rhombus or something like yes. it's, just, it's a, it's a slightly wigglier shape. Yeah. And so there's, it's a way of putting some, for me, the reason that I loved it was because I was like, I react sometimes to situations like this, but then sometimes I'm like this. And like, I just didn't have language to yeah. explain how I felt mm-hmm. or how I am yeah. in different circumstances. And so I love the Enneagram because it gives some language to it. Yes. And it gives language to different circumstances. So it's not like, I am always very organized. Yeah. It's like, well, I tend to be organized because of this. Mm-hmm. Organization is not really part of it, but like, you know, this is why. And, but then, you know, when I'm really stressed out or really anxious, like I, I'm different yeah. and we all are. And so it yeah. just, it, it's kind of a filing system for some of the things yes. that we're feeling and going through, but it's yes. definitely wigglier yes. and, and provides more more room to move around than mm-hmm. like putting yourself in a box. Yeah. And even like you said there, that, you know, that piece of like, well, normally I'm organized, but sometimes I'm not or but because it's that because piece. And it's like, that's where the motivation comes in. So it's like, yeah, you normally operate this way, but sometimes you don't. And it's because of, you know, whatever the reason is. And so like you said, it is more wiggly. It's more dynamic. It allows that fluctuation between different types, kind of different, really, you know, and that's, that's the behavior piece that we can see. We can see each other's behaviors, but we can't see, you know, each person's motivation. And so that's the really, that's the really cool piece, I think, about the Enneagram and understanding yourself and using it to connect with others more. Yeah. So as we're talking about like what the Enneagram is good for and what it is, Mm -hmm. I also know it's important to talk about what the Enneagram is not. So Tell us, tell us about that. Yes. I think the Enneagram, it's not diagnostic. It's not the end all be all. It's not the gospel. You are not your type. And I'm really passionate about that because I, like you said, people hate being put in boxes. They don't like to be stereotyped. And the problem, what happens when we do that to ourselves or other people, if I put myself into a box and say, well, I'm just an eight, that's how I am. I'm just impatient. That gives me an excuse for my bad behavior. And that's not okay for me to be impatient. And likewise, if I look at my husband or a friend or something, I say, well, you know, he's just a three. That's how he is. I will always, I'll look at him like that. And I really box him into to that. And I don't ever give him space to grow and evolve and change and become something different. And so I think that's a really important piece to understand too, that it's not a label. It's not a box to put someone into. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that it's a, I think it's a really helpful tool and a really helpful framework. And I tell people, I'm like, you know what? If it doesn't work for you, that's fine. Like move on and find what does work for you. But for yeah. a lot of people, they do resonate with it. And it gives them language, like you said, for parts of themselves that they didn't previously have that language for. Yeah. Tell us like, I know that this is like a big question with you know, I mean, a whole book or 
a thousand full of answers, but can you give us just like a quick rundown on the different types? Yes. Yeah, it is a big question, but that's like one of the most commonly asked questions. So um, I've tried to get it down to where it's pretty concise. Ready. Um, so type one, you may hear them referred to as the reformer or the perfectionist. They are people of high ideals. They are very morally and ethically driven. They are They are the people of the world that keep the rest of us from like careening, like morally careening off the side of a mountain. They like keep us in check. Their default operating mode is integrity. They're constantly self-reflecting to see how they can better themselves. And that also spills over into other people. They are constantly assessing how other people can be doing better too. But it really comes from a good and sincere place. The type two, they are known as the helper or the giver. And you're a type two. Is that right, Stephanie? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. They are <laughs> deeply loving, incredibly caring. They are profoundly compassionate people. They're warm and approachable, really just have, have a nurturing energy to them. They can really, they're like superpowers that they easily perceive the needs of others. And when they're living in a really good space, they are just the picture of biblical servanthood with humility, just really generous with their time, with their love for other people. So Twos are just, they're all amazing. I love them all. Every time I talk about this, I'm like, oh, I love i love this one so much. I love that one. But they're all so wonderful. Okay, type three, they are known as... Okay, that cheaper. has a downside. Just so like, the, I feel they like that one was overwhel- <laughs> overwhelmingly positive. But <laughs> they all yeah, they're, they're... Yes. And yes. type twos, a lot of times they self-forget. They like just like sacrifice themselves on the altar of other people, um, which is obviously not not good. But yeah, they all have their downside. They all have their really positive qualities and strengths as well. But yeah, type threes, they are known as the achievers or the performers. They are really driven and ambitious. They have an energy that's really infectious. They're champions for other people. They're very goal-directed, success-oriented. They really like, they kind of keep corporate America alive um, in a lot of good ways and also in some not so great ways. But when they are really living in a good space, they are really authentic and they bring hope to the world. They're true visionaries. And yeah, they're another just really, really wonderful type. Type fours are the romantics. They might also be called the creative. Some, some of these titles you'll hear a little bit different based on what teacher or what book you're reading. But they're original, introspective, true creatives, and they embody authenticity. There's nothing about a four that is inauthentic. They are really in tune with their emotions and with other people's emotions. Um, And the unique thing about fours is that they're the only type that's able to bear witness to pain and just sit with it. They're okay with the messy, the painfulness, um, and they don't have to like medicate it. They don't have to do something to make it feel better. They don't say unhelpful, insensitive things. They just sit there and bear witness to it. Um, And so that's something that's really, really unique about the fours. Type five, the investigator. This type, they are constantly taking in information in the world. They are readers. They are thinkers. They are very perceptive and they bring a really cool neutrality to each situation. They have this really unique ability to remain objective. And fives can tend to be a little bit more disconnected from their emotions. But th- that is one of the the positives of that is that they, they do not get stuck in their emotions. They can really remain objective about things. But they are inventive. They're inquisitive. They ask open-ended questions. They're really curious, wanting to learn, to gain knowledge and just more understanding. They're another type because of that emotion piece. They are really able to make decisions 
from knowledge and wisdom, again, rather from a place of emotion. Now, their their work is to tap into their emotions and connect with themselves and others through that. But, but type fives are also really amazing. Type six, the loyalist, they are, they're the type that they can be truly altruistic in the sense that they are really for the common good of everyone. There are some Enneagram theories that say sixes make up half the world. And I can totally see that because sixes really are the glue to society. They are committed. They do not, they don't jump ship. If they, if a six ever quits their job or quit something, you can rest assured it took them months to come to this decision, if not years to come to it. Mm. But they are really, they show up, they stick it out. They are devoted, dependable, reliable, dutiful people. They are really fiercely protective, loyal. I mean, they are just the kind of friends that will stick with you to the end. So sixes are, they are fantastic. Type sevens are the adventurers or... You can, they're called the enthusiasts. I think that's the other name for them. They are playful, optimistic. They just have this wild enthusiasm that they approach life with. They're they're the life of the party kind of people. They are they like to keep their options open. They you know they bounce from job to job. They they are world travelers. They are they're always there for a good time. The the thing about sevens I think that people miss is that they really bring. They really bring joy to the world, like like this deep cultivated joy that when sevens are able to sit with their pain and other pain, which is really hard for them to do, they are able to really embrace joy in their own life and in the life of others. And it's not some cheap imitation. It's really deeply rooted joy that's found in the contentment in life and in the goodness of what of what you've been given in the season that you're in, even if it's not everything that you wish that it was, or even if it's you know, got some painful pieces to it. So that's the type seven. Uh, the type eight is the challenger. They are strong, self-confident, really champions for justice. They're pretty independent, protective, passionate. They can be really boisterous. And they they really just have this energy when they walk into your room. Again, their biggest thing is justice. And so they will champion that all day long. They are really the ones that if you have an eight on your team, they've got the energy. So Whatever, whatever the goal is, it's going to get done because they will, they will make sure that it does. And then the type nine, they are known as the peacemakers. They are easygoing, just provide a really calming, reassuring presence. It's like you feel a sense of stability, like you can take a deep breath when they walk into a room. They really are true empaths. They sit at the top of the Enneagram. And a lot of people say that that's because they can see every other type and really truly empathize with what they're feeling, what they're thinking, what they're needing. They're really supportive, genuinely loving people. But yeah, that's that's kind of the superpower of the nine is that they're 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 empaths. They're able to see see what everyone else thinks and feels. So yeah, so that's kind of a quick overview of all the nine types. What are you? I'm an eight. Through okay. and through. Um through and we and might get to this, but I when I first took a test in high school, I actually typed as a one. And that's also part of why I'm not a huge fan of tests. But I typed as a one. And then when I started reading about it, I was like, oh my gosh, no, I'm an eight. (laughs) It's like very apparent. And so I think tests are great. I think they can be really helpful. But don't always rely on a test because it's sometimes not the best accurate. So that's that's exactly what I was going to ask is how do we... Well, okay, before we get into that, I love the way that you described all of these types because I think sometimes... 
when people like go through the list, it's like all the negative things. Um, and that, but it really is like two sides of a coin, you know, and we, we all know this about ourselves. Like a lot of times our greatest strength also in a way is our greatest weakness or you yeah. know, kind of the flip side of it is our, our greatest weakness. And that's why the Enneagram for me has been so helpful because you know, different personality tests will give you clues into what you're good at or what you like or what you're drawn to. Um, mm-hmm. But more for like in concrete ways, like having some language to identify what your superpower is, is yeah. a really great way to figure out where you can really impact the world. And yes. it's not like you must do this job, but it's like, hey, you might really enjoy or or thrive in a job where you get to fight for justice. You know, yes. that's like, it's it's just kind of this filter or this compass. Yeah, yeah um, it's but then also through which you can see yourself and others. Yeah, yeah. But then also, you know, as you learn about each type and you learn about the things that are hard about that, that number or like kind of the, like you're great in this way, but also mm-hmm. this is a way that you might have some, have some work to do. That gives us a place to start, you know, yeah. and, and a, like, yeah, kind of a path forward of, okay, I know you're right. I do, I do really struggle with this or, or, you know, this yeah. situation, I do show up like this and I wish I didn't, but I have some language for it. And when you can wrap mm-hmm. some words around it, it's, that's like a really important step to moving. Yeah. It's in a positive direction. It really is where transformation starts, which is why it's so helpful. Yeah. Okay. So figuring out what type we are, one popular way is a test. And there are a handful, if you look up like, Enneagram test. Yeah. There are a bunch, right? But like, yeah. Talk us through how do we figure out what we are? Yeah. So, a test is definitely the most popular way. And like I said, I'm not a huge fan of tests, but that is one of the most frequently asked questions is, oh, what test do I take? So, I do tell people there's one test that I recommend and I do not get a commission off of it. So, it's cost 12 bucks, but it is the best Enneagram inventory. It's called the Wagner Enneagram Personality Style Scales or WEPS, W E P P S or sorry, W-E-P-S-S. And the reason that I like that one is because it's the only one that's actually been statistically validated. And so if you're like a little bit of a nerd in that way, and you're like, I need something a little bit more objective than something someone just made up, that will give you that. It was It's endorsed by the Western Psychological Services. They sell it on their, on their website. And so I think that also speaks to the credibility of it, that they wouldn't sell something that was just like made up. But the thing I like about that test is that, so for example, when I take that test, it it scores you in every type. And so I normally score pretty high. Obviously, it's an eight. But I also score really high as a three and a one. And so the reason I think that is so helpful is because you can take those scores and really use that as a jumping off point of like, oh, let me go dive into these three types and then figure out which one actually fits in terms of the motivation. You don't have to take that one. You can take another free test. But I just always caution people that whatever your test results say, really hold that with an open hand. The Enneagram actually started as an oral tradition and was like that for years. So really weren't tests to take until the 60s or 70s. And so the whole testing piece is relatively new still. And so the way that people used to identify their type was through telling stories, was through talking about it with other people. Workshops are an amazing place to learn about it or just hang out with other people, talking about what what type they are, talking about what type you think you are, um, you really gain a lot of insight and understanding from talking about it, from reflecting, from self-assessing instead of just simply taking a test. So again, tests are great. They can be really helpful. But I do think that another piece, and this is not this is not like the most popular answer, but if you know that you're in a season of like really intense 
like you're just not in a good season of life. Like you're like, I know that I'm not operating in a healthy space. I'm doing all the things that I, I, I don't like how I'm living right now. I think when we live like at the polar ends of like, I'm in a super healthy space or I'm in a super unhealthy space, those are really telling seasons. Because again, all of our worst characteristics are going to be on display or all of our best characteristics are going to be on display. And I think most of us live our life somewhere in the middle. We live kind of in this middle ground where sometimes we're in a good space, sometimes we're not, but we have these adaptive strategies that we've learned. And there's things that come into play, like, you know, how you grew up. There's things like trauma that happens in our life that really complicates and confuses things. So I do think that tests are, are helpful in that sense. But I think ultimately reading about it, listening to podcasts, talking to other people about it will really help you. And then the other thing that I always tell people is be okay with mistyping. And it's okay if you think, oh, I'm an eight and run with that for a while. And then you come back a year later and you're like, wait a minute, actually, no, I'm, I'm a type one because I really identify more with those motivations. Be okay with mistyping. There is a lot of freedom in that. Don't don't die on a hill over what type you are. Again, it's not the gospel. It's really helpful, but it's not the end all be all. So that's just such a beautiful and essential part of any journey is like mm-hmm. you know, wandering in one direction. And then it's only through wandering in that direction that you figure out you want to go in a different direction. And so yeah. you learn so much about like that's the point is learning a lot about yourself. And so by walking down a road and going, I think I'm a three. Oh, wait, I'm not a three. I'm actually yes. a seven. That's That journey is is part of it. There's so much to be yes. gained from that. Absolutely. Hey guys, I want to pop in for one quick second because our show would not be possible without our sponsors. And so I wanted to take a quick second to thank the company sponsoring us today. Our sponsor today is a company I love. It's HelloFresh. Now, I know that lots of y'all have heard of them, but just in case you haven't, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. So you guys know this about me, but I'm not the best cook. Now, I've definitely gotten better, but I still don't love meal planning or cooking. It's just not my gift. Plus, if you're anything like me, you want to savor every last second of summer, and so cutting down on meal prep and shopping time is absolutely necessary. And that's why I love HelloFresh. First of all, with HelloFresh, there's something for everyone, including vegetarian, calorie smart choices, and family-friendly recipes. One of the best meals that I've ever made was their chicken sausage spaghetti bolognese. It was so good, I'm still thinking about it. Not only is the food delicious, but the process of making it is so easy. All the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits, so you know which ingredients go with which recipe, and there's less waste. And I'm telling you, I am a beginner in the kitchen, and I can cook these recipes. They are simple, they come outlined on pictured, step-by-step instruction cards, they walk you all the way through the whole thing, and it actually kind of feels like a fun cooking lesson. I'm also a huge fan of HelloFresh because it's actually over 72% cheaper than eating an average restaurant meal. And their pre-portioned ingredients help so that no food is wasted. That's great news for those of us on a budget, right? Plus, HelloFresh owns Green Chef, another one of our amazing sponsors, so there are even more meal plans to choose from. I love switching between the brands, and now my listeners can enjoy both brands at a discount with me. Speaking of discounts, I love HelloFresh even more because they want to give you a promo code to get 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. If you go to HelloFresh.com slash GirlsNight16 and use the code GirlsNight16, you can get 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash GirlsNight16 and use the code GirlsNight16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and 
three free gifts. HelloFresh, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We just love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies, and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. 
So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Okay, so talk to me about relationships. I want to ask first just about our relationship with God. I love the the Mm -hmm. things that you said at the beginning about how the book, like the the different people that the book is for. And Mm -hmm. so I'd love to know, like, how can the Enneagram help us if we're in sort of a, like, lost or distant or kind of confusing spot with God? Yeah, I think, I mean, for myself personally, it was one of those things that was like, I knew that I still loved God and I really valued my faith, but I was like, what do I do with it now? Like I've experienced a lot of like the pain and the brokenness that the world has. And like, I still believe in his sovereignty and his goodness, but like, it is not like, this isn't fit, right? This doesn't feel good. I got to figure this out. And so I think... I think the Enneagram, it offers a couple different, and this is where as you dive deeper into it, there's more layers. But for me, really understanding the sin tendencies specific to my type. So as a type eight, my sin tendency is lust, which is not like people think about lust in a sexual sense. It's really just like this general too muchness that you approach life with of just like kind of like this ravenous, like gluttonous consumption or just the way that you show up. It's, it's, aggressive. It's boisterous. It's just too much. It's not bridled. It's not metered. It's not wise. It's not, yeah, it's just not, it's not any of that. And understanding that was really helping me see where I was showing up in life in a way that was not healthy. And that also was really not in alignment with who I wanted to be. And then, you know, on the other end of that spectrum, understanding the virtue that I uniquely can bring to the world. So as a type eight, it's truth. It was like, oh, that is the gift that I bring in this real drive for justice is a good thing if it's harnessed in the right way and if it's used appropriately, not just using, you know, truth as, you know, as a ticket to say whatever I wanted to whenever I wanted to that was not in a kind or healthy or constructive way. So I think that that understanding your sin proclivity, your virtue, and then the other piece when you dive into the spiritual side of the Enneagram is that it offers three kind of like cardinal spiritual practices, um, silent solitude and stillness. And they're grouped based on your triad. And so for the two, three, four, their spiritual practice is solitude. For five, six, and seven, there's a silence. And for the eight, nine, and one, there's a stillness. And again, it's one of those things that is dynamic. Like as an eight, I still need silence and solitude in my life, but stillness is really my chief spiritual practice in the sense that it is finding sometimes it's physically a still place um, with myself and before God of like, okay, I'm going to stop this fast paced moving about, you know, way that I interact with the world and really show up to hear what it is that you have to say, where it is that you want me to be. Um, And so I think that those are three ways to really kind of begin that journey of reconnecting with yourself and with God, those spiritual practices. Those are practices that you do them, you know, your whole life until, you know, until the day you die and they continue to be so rich in what you learn in different seasons and the gifts that they offer. So yeah, those three spiritual practices, I think are really, are really key when it comes to whatever it is, whether you're in a 
stage of like really kind of figuring things out, reconnecting, or whether you're in a season of really looking for what's next in terms of growth. I love that. And so those are silence, solitude, and stillness, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm, that's so good. I feel like I need to spend a while thinking about that. That's really good. So I know that the Enneagram can be really powerful in our other relationships mm-hmm. as well. And I would love to know, like, I mean, what does this look like in your life? Like, the more that you've learned about yourself, the more that you've learned about the Enneagram, how has this affected your relationships? I think the biggest thing is it's helped me to have so much compassion for other people. And really, a lot of that does start with yourself having compassion for, you know, the way that you show up in the world, whether it's, you know, whether you're showing up in a good space or whether you're showing up with these really adaptive strategies that are unhealthy. It's like, that was a way that you figure out how to survive in the world. But looking at other people through that lens of compassion has really helped my relationships. And with the Enneagram, you begin to understand their unique challenges, their weaknesses. You understand their core motivation, what what their needs are, what they fear. And it just helps you really stay out of judgment and in compassion. One example that I give, I have a lot of ones in my life. And I I love my one friend so much. I also have a sister who's a one. But sometimes ones can really hurt my feelings. And I'm pretty like, I don't get my feelings hurt a lot. But ones know how to do it. When they do it, it's like, dang, that really stung. And so for ones, it has really helped my relationship with my friends and with my sister. When I like remind myself, I'm like, okay, this like little pang of criticism that I felt from them, I just, I need to let it roll off my back because that is not how they meant to come across. And when I, when I like having, so the type ones, they have a really intense inner, inner critic and we all have an inner critic, but theirs is like ruthless, like never nice about anything. And so when I can remember that and be like, okay, you know what, what, what fraction of criticism I just felt here is like a drop in the bucket compared to what they live with every day. It gives me so much compassion for them. And it also helps me not take it personally, knowing that ones are very, they, that's just the way that they see the world. They see the world black and white, right and wrong, good and bad. And they really are just trying to make things better, that it's not some personal affront to me. So that's just a small example of of ways that it's really helped. But yeah, I think I think as as you continue to grow and learn about yourself and other people, you take things a lot less personally and realize that it's probably more about someone else's wounding. And yeah, like it does still hurt. But a lot of times it's that helps to not take it so personally. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, it's been, I have a lot of threes in my life. And then mm-hmm. also Carl, my husband is a five. And so there are a lot of people in my life that are, I, I mean, I have a lot of people in my life that are great. I also have some eights. I don't know. I, I have a lot of people in my life that are really great at talking about their feelings. But then I also have a lot of people in my life who are, it's not their first language. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so they're, that has been so helpful to understand that there are some friends in my life that, you know, really spending a lot of time like digging deep in their feelings isn't comfortable for them and, and mm. is something that they really have to practice. And, and that's like, it, it again, it's just not their first language. Yeah. And so it helps me translate a little bit and it helps me understand, just give some context. I think, yeah. but that's been so helpful, and and just in all different ways to understand like what my friends are naturally best at, and then also what they're naturally like not best at. It yeah. just it really does. It just gives some context to to who they are and why they might react in a certain 
way to something and and it just helps me like speak to them and then also understand them in a way that's more true to I guess the more effective. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that's another piece too that it's like that's the gift that being in relationship with other types offer. Like you as a two are able to give them that language for their feelings when normally they wouldn't have it and it would be it would be so difficult. It's funny, you said you have a lot of threes in your life. I have a lot of threes in my life too. And I love them dearly. And also as an eight, I like sometimes look at them and I'm like, oh my gosh, the like inauthenticity here. It's just like appalling when they're like <laughs> living in just such a bad space. And I realized like that's a huge growth opportunity for me of like get out of judgment and like have some compassion for them. Cause like, man, they've operated their whole life on this stage of performance. And like, I don't know, you know, maybe it was their childhood. Maybe it's, maybe it's just like, maybe it wasn't, maybe it's just the way that they are in the world. But for some reason they have this belief that like who they are, their worth as a human is contingent upon, you know, their performance and how they show up. And so it's like, no wonder they would show up like this in the world, you know, but, but that's also for where me as an aide, I get to have a lot of, I have a lot of opportunity for growth and compassion there. But yeah, like you said, I like that second language thought that it's like, that's not something anyone can learn a second language. And I think the older we get, actually, I can tell you the older we get, the harder it is. Learning Mandarin was not easy, but it's possible. It's absolutely possible. And the more that you do it, the more instinctual it becomes. It's kind of like, I always think about like going to the gym like working out is never easy, but it, it gets, it's not as bad as it is when you've like taken months off and you just go back for the first time and you're so sore and you can barely move the next day. If you keep going day after day, you build muscle memory, you build strength. And so like, no, you're never going to go and be like, oh, that was so easy, but it's just not going to be as taxing and it's not going to be as difficult. So yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I like that a lot. Talk to me about marriage because I know that there have been so many conversations about how the Enneagram is helpful in marriage. And it's honestly not like path I've walked down super Mm -hmm. far. Like, you know, Carl knows about the Enneagram, likes the Enneagram. You know, we like talk about it some, but it, it hasn't been a big thing in our marriage. And so I'm excited to hear how it is helpful and and talk to me about the Enneagram yeah. in marriage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the compassion, again, we've already talked about that. That's the first piece. But especially when you're in that deeply of a connected relationship with someone, understanding what their basic needs are, what their core fears are, what drives them really helps you when you, I think when you enter into conflict, it really helps you approach that more um, from a collaborative standpoint. And rather than like dying on a hill of like, I want this or I need this, it really helps you understand the other person and where they're coming from and why they're coming from that place. Again, this is kind of another layer of the Enneagram once you dive into it, but there are stances. So they're broken down into their, the Enneagram is kind of all divided into like subcategories of three. And so there's three stances, the assertive, dependent, and withdrawn. And I think that this, and I'll break it down a little bit more, but this is so helpful, especially when it comes to conflict. The assertive stance, that is the three, seven, eight, kind of self-explanatory. They're very bold and assertive. At times, this can translate and be kind of aggressive um, when they're wanting something or they have a goal that they're working towards. And so Maz and I, we are type three and eight. We have very direct conflict. There's not a lot of passive aggressiveness. It is just like, hey... I'm pissed that you didn't take the trash out. And now the, you know, like today's Monday, it's trash day. He's supposed to take it out Sunday night. He forgot. I was pissed this morning. I told him, I was like, hey, you forgot the trash again. And I'm now, I'm mad. 
instead of just like clanging around the kitchen and like, Uh you know, passive aggressively being like mad about the trash. And it was also like, hey, I'm mad about this. Can you please like set a reminder on your phone so you don't forget? So that's kind of how that the, that type shows up in general, but especially especially in conflict. The dependent is a two, one, two, and six. They are less assertive and they rely more on their relationships to get what they want and need. And this isn't like in a manipulative way. Every type absolutely can be manipulative and getting what they want. But that this is not this is not that. But they just kind of like use the pulse of their relationships to kind of navigate through conflict and and you know rough waters. Ones fall into this category, but a lot of times people will say that ones can also flip to that more assertive side too. So they kind of they kind of flip between the two. And then the withdrawing stance is the four, five, nine. And this type, they're not conflict averse, but they definitely need time to think, to plan how to best pursue the goals of the relationship or the situation or whatever it is at hand. And so I think that's a really helpful. It's also helpful to, again, like using us as an example, as a three and an eight, sometimes we just need to like let it go. And because we're both assertive, like we just need to walk away. We just be like, okay, we're not gonna, we're not gonna argue about this. This is really dumb. This is a trash. Like it happened. Let's get over it. You know, and so I think it's important to know that. And then sometimes, you know, if you're in the withdrawing stance, like maybe the work is to like step up and say something about it, you know, that day instead of waiting five days or two weeks or never saying anything about it. So I think that's another really helpful way when you're in marriage to really utilize the Enneagram. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, there's there are a million quotes like this, but just the idea that everyone who you see, everyone in the world has a story or everyone in the world mm-hmm. has something going on. Everyone in the world is going through something and just kind of interacting with each other with that in mind. I think that that's one of the reasons I like the Enneagram so much is because the more that... And I think this is probably true for all of us, but the more I understand someone, the more compassion I have for them. Yeah, um, And it's really hard to just see someone from the outside and we... I think either like assume the best or assume the worst. Like we either assume Mm -hmm. that they have no problems and everything that they do is perfect (laughs) and their life is perfect and I'm the only one who's a mess. Or we assume that like, you know, their actions are, you know, what they said was they were trying to be hurtful or they were trying to be mean or something like that. And I think neither of those are are true. Everyone's going through something. And Mm -hmm. most of the time people are really doing their best. And, but we all have different, stuff that we're going through. And so knowing that like a whole section of the population has just this brutal inner inner critic mm-hmm. is helps us be so so much more gentle with each other. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or or yeah. knowing that like, you know, giant sections of the population have a really hard time talking about their feelings and are like, mm-hmm. you know, have a lot of fear surrounding facing their emotions. I think a lot of yeah. a lot of people feel that way. Is yeah. is just helps us be a lot more. I think even if you don't know what someone's type is, knowing about the different types and knowing like what just is imagining what people could be going through, yeah. um, just helps us approach each other so much more gently. Yeah. And yes, I think that that's really powerful. Yeah, I think um, like you're saying, I think Brene Brown is the one. I don't remember which one of her books, but it's it's something about people are hard to hate up close, move in. And I always oh, I think about that, that when, be, when people do something that just like really irks me or just like rubs me the wrong way. I'm like, you know what? They either like completely didn't mean that or it's more telling of something that's going on inside of them. that's really painful or a really hard experience that they're 
living through and walking through. And like you said, it's like, people don't wake up every day and like, you know what? I'm just going to be a really terrible version of myself. Like people are really doing the best that they can. And yeah, sometimes like the best that I can do every day is not great. Um, But you know what? I'm still waking up. I'm still giving it my all. And yeah, I think you're right. Like that's really where compassion comes in. And when we, you know, I think about it too, a lot of times it's like, I want people to give me a break when I don't show up well, or when I, you know, I'm quick to be critical or harsh or unkind. I want, I want people to be understanding and forgiving of me. And so I need to extend that same understanding and forgiveness to them. So yeah, I love that. Have you found that, you know, as people are trying to figure out what their type is and, you know, whether they're doing it, I think if you're taking a test and you get the results and then you're looking through the descriptions, or if you're just looking through the descriptions, have you found some sort of connection between like the one you really, really, really don't want to be being the one that you are. <laughs> yes, it usually is that one. And that's why people like, I mean, I'm not trying to like cast a blanket statement, but a lot of people are not truthful with themselves. My husband, I mean, he will tell this story about himself. When he learned about the Enneagram, he's like, oh, I'm a seven. And like, and as a three, there's a lot of his like behavior that looks like a seven. He's very entrepreneurial, has like hopped from job to job and like done all these things. He's very spontaneous. He can look like a seven a lot of times and he is a three- through and through. And and he will say, he was like, oh, I knew it for a long time, but I just didn't want to admit it because of the reality of like the shadow side of each type. And so, yeah, I think that's also part of the gift of the Enneagram is that when you're willing to be honest and truthful with yourself, that is where transformation can start. And it's really, it's really the gift of it, but it does require that you're honest with yourself, which is why kind of what I was talking about earlier when it comes to identifying your type, if you're in a season where you are just really not, really not being your best self, or if you're in a season where you're just like killing it, you're like 10 out of 10 crushing life every day, it's going to be pretty easy to, to spot your type. But we, a lot of us live in that kind of average middle ground space from day to day where it's like, we're kind of doing okay, but we're kind of not. And we, you know, are also employing these adaptive strategies. But yes, I think it is, it's hard to be, honest with yourself and others. But a lot of people say that that's, that's how you know your type is the type that you read and you're like, oh, I don't want to be that type. You absolutely are. Probably so, are. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely that's definitely how I felt about it too. I was like, that is so lame. I don't want to be that one. I, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's not fun. That's... I don't want to be that. And I, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, it's a, it was a good reminder for me that everything looks different. Like... Mm-hmm. These are this provides really, really good language to use about ourselves and about each other and like a common language to be able to talk about who we are and where we come from and what we need and how we're feeling with each other. Yeah. And that's so powerful. But also like it doesn't mean there's like a t-shirt that goes with each type that you like have to fit into. And I think yes. that that's why I didn't... I was like, I can't be a two because when people talk about it, like the stereotype of a two is that you're the one like single-handedly organizing every church bake sale, you know? And like, you don't let anyone help you and you are like this, you know, amazing host that, you know, can cook the best cookies for everybody and yeah, do, does it all by themselves um, and will never ask for help. And I'm like, I... 
could ruin a batch of break and bake cookies. Like truly, I am not like that's not me. I'm not the one organizing the bake. So yes. it's like I would I'm the last person that would volunteer for that. But I was talking to a friend and she was like, Yeah, but like at the church bake sale, would you be like sitting in the back of the room with someone you just met talking about their life until, you know, all hours of the night? And I was like, Well, yes, I would definitely well, be yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. And and so it just it can look different. And and so just because mm-hmm. you've seen, you know, everyone's T-shirt looks different, even if they're the same yeah. type as you. Everything yes. can can come out in different ways, but it is so. I don't know. It, it is just really helpful to have. I know I keep saying this, but just have some language to be able to describe mm-hmm. yourself, even to yourself. Yeah. Just yes. to understand at least a, a, a starting point for understanding about kind of who you are and why you do some of the things that you do. It just yeah. When you can have some words to even just explain them to yourself. It makes it so much easier to like move through some of those things and yeah. grow and heal and ask for help and you know kind yeah. of where to ask for help. And then also when you're talking to someone else who you're in relationship with and you want to be understood, it makes it so much easier when you actually have some words, especially common words to mm-hmm. use to talk about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's that common language that's so powerful that it's like you understand this, I understand this. Yeah. Do you have any like just last resources that you can point women to who are like, you know, I want to figure out what type I am. I want to learn more mm-hmm. about this. I didn't even know about the stances. That's That was like the first time yeah. I ever heard of that. So what are some of your favorite Enneagram resources? Yes. A couple of things right off the top of my head. I think the road back to you is probably the best Enneagram primer out there. They just... Suzanne Seville and Ian Cron just did a fantastic job of really describing each type. That's, my, that's one of my favorite books out there. I think if you're looking for something kind of to bolster relationships, The Path Between Us by Suzanne Stabile or Becoming Us by Beth and Jeff McCord. And then I also recently read The Journey Onward and that's another Suzanne Stabile book. And that really dives into a deeper layer of... That kind of incorporates things like um, the core emotions, the stances, all of that to really help you get a better idea once you know what your type is. That to me too was really transformative in the way that I saw other people um, and having compassion for them. Those are, those are, I would say, some of my favorite books. If you, there is one called The Enneagram Made Easy. And that's a really, like if you have kids or if you're looking for something like pretty high level, that's, that's a really good one as well. And then there's a lot, like if you want to deep dive into things, Helen Palmer, Beatrice Chestnut, they have a lot of great books out there and you can get, you can get real deep into that. But then some things in the podcast space, Krista Hardin has the Enneagram and Marriage podcast. And so again, if you're looking for something in the relational space, she's also a therapist. She's fantastic. The Typology podcast is Ian Kron's. A lot of people are familiar with that. I think he does a really good job. He interviews people. And so that one's really helpful. I think if you don't know what your type is, you're kind of trying to figure it out. Or if you have different types of people in your life that it's like, I just don't understand them or I want to relate better. It's it's those that type of person talking about their experience and just the way that they operate in the world. So I think those are a couple of really great resources to start. That's so awesome. Okay, we're going to link all of those in our show notes because I want everyone to have access to those. Meredith, I'm so grateful for you. And I'm I just... I love the work that you're doing and I love the way that you explain this. It's just really easy to understand. It's really relatable and I'm so excited for your book to come out. So we'll link to that in the show notes also, all of your information. But really, thanks so much for for the work that you do and for coming on Girls' Night. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. You guys, isn't Meredith amazing? 
Seriously, she's our new best friend, right? I just love her and I love her wisdom. I'm just so glad you got to meet her. Now, don't forget that if you ever want to find the links for anything we talk about in our Girls' Night episodes, you can always find those in our show notes. If you head over to girlsnightpodcast.com, you'll find links for everything, including links for Meredith, so you can pre-order her book, listen to her podcast, and follow along with all the great stuff she's doing. All right, friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It won't send you an email or anything. It'll just make sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a quick second to ask you a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it really would mean the world to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I'd be so grateful. Friends, thanks so much for joining me for Girls' Night, and I'll see you next week.